The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is herbalist Kat Ellis. Ellis is a member of the American Herbalist Guild and a teacher of herbal medicine, and she's also interested in survivalism and homesteading. Through these interests, Kat became interested in the art of prepping, the learning of hundreds of practical hobbies from gardening to canning to self-defense. She has since merged her love of herbal medicine and her love of prepping to write her book, Prepper's Natural Medicine, Life-Saving Herbs, Essential Oils, and Natural Remedies for When There Is No Doctor. Welcome to Health Watch, Kat Ellis. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, well, let's start out with the the choice that you made, Kat, um, to focus on natural medicine when looking at disaster preparedness. Uh, Why look at natural medicine in terms of this versus just medicine in general? Oh, well, there's many reasons why. First of all, it was my background. I obviously was an herbalist. I've been working with herbs for a long time, and I have a love of the plants, and, and I've seen what they can do. But I've also um, I'm a licensed massage therapist, and um, that you know, so holistic care was sort of my my background anyway. Um, so it's my go-to. However, um, there's other practical concerns for it, um, such as um, you know, when we think of a disaster happening, um, and we think of um, people you know making a run on the grocery store. The grocery store is not the only place that there could be a run. Uh, where people, you know, just buy out everything on the shelves. That, that can also happen at your pharmacy, um, and that can also happen, um, oh, I'll ship it this with, um, there can be other disruptions to um, resupply to the pharmacy, to a hospital, and it just may not be available to you. Um, there's also um, sort of a little bit of a target on medical facilities like hospitals and pharmacies that say during periods of civil unrest, they're some of the first places to get raided. Um, and, you know, I don't know about anyone else, but I don't want to be that parent that's fighting with another parent in a pharmacy to get needed medicine for one child, you know, if that were to be the case. So I don't want to be anywhere near that. I, you know, I want to have my stuff squared away. And if the disaster were to be something very long term, um, you know, then I want to be able to resupply that myself. So um, I don't know that many people that have the chemistry background to, you know, maybe have, you know, um, to be able to whip up a batch of Cipro in their house, you know. But you can certainly put together um, herbal antibi- antibiotics and, and so on like that at home very simply with very, um, very easy-to-make um, formulas and um, easily obtainable ingredients. And renewable ingredients, as you're saying. Exactly, yeah. So, well, let's talk about assembling an herbal first aid kit. Um, if, let's start with an obvious uh, entry point, wound care. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on wound care and uh, natural medicine? Well, you know, you've got a, a number of things to be concerned about. Um, and it depends on the type of wound, obviously, as well, and where the wound is. Um, but you're going to want to be able to, um, to, to clean it, um, and you're going to want to get that healed up 
as quickly as possible because in a scenario where, let's say, you don't have access to a medical facility, um, even a small cut can become a big problem. You can end up with lymphangitis going, you know, tracking up your arm or something that, you, you know, you don't want coming from a wound. Um, so you're going to want something that you can flush the wound out with and, and, and get it clean. Um, and if you want something that's really, really, really simple to put on a wound to help it to heal, especially, let's say, a burn like, um, I would say, a second-degree burn or something where the blister has popped or something like that, you can just apply honey if you want. Honey is, is probably one of the simplest medicines you can use. Um, I know it's not an herb, but herbalists tend to have a bunch of natural ingredients that they're not necessarily plants in, in their repertoire, but um, honey is excellent for all sorts of wounds. It, it, um, it's in my first aid kit. Um, it, it never spoils. Um, it is very antibacterial. Uh, it, it, it deals with bacteria in a number of ways. Um, on, one, on one front, when honey comes in contact with the body's fluid, um, such as in an open wound, it manufactures minute amounts of hydrogen peroxide. So you get this sort of slow, you know, low dose of it on a perpetual basis. Um, so it's not like dumping a bunch of hydrogen peroxide on, on a wound. It's, it's just, it, it's a very slow procedure. So it's not necessarily going to burn and bubble and all of that, but it's getting this nice, slow, continuous dose. And you can certainly clean it out and put some new honey in there and so on and so forth. But honey is also very high in sugar, and sugar is, um, is something that has been used to pack wounds prior to antibiotics for a long time. People in um, various wars, you know, with their um, war injuries would end up packing wounds with sugar and avoid um, getting a really serious infections through that. So um, honey is nice because it, once it hits the body's temperature, it begins to thin. So it can start out pretty thick, but it'll thin out just a little bit. And it's it's, um, it's a very friendly and forgiving um, uh, material, I guess, to, that you can use um, for wound care and just put um, some kind of a, a bandage over that because obviously you don't want it to, um, it'll, it's tacky and you don't want it to get onto everything else. But you can use that for a, a real wide range of wounds. If you've got something where um, you've got some kind of a laceration, um, then you might be looking for a plant called yarrow. Yarrow um, is whether you you just pick it fresh or whether you've got yarrow powder and you put it in a wound powder, um, it is wonderful to stop bleeding um, and heavy bleeding um, when you've got a deep cut that's like that. You can also make a tincture out of that, and you can take it internally as well if you have a suspicion that there may be some internal bleeding, but also shepherd's purse is another one that's often used for that as well. A lot of midwives use shepherd's purse, especially if they think there's a chance of uh, there be, being some problem with the placenta separating from the uterus, and there's, there's a hemorrhage there. So there are herbs that actually do handle the big jobs, too. I know that um, I guess one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone says, oh, herbal medicine, herbs are natural, and they work because they're gentle. Well, some do. <laughs> Some herbs are not quite so gentle. They, they um, have a louder voice, um, and, and not all of them are. Um, I mean, certainly um, something like cayenne is maybe not so uh, gentle sometimes. You know, um, so, but it's certainly highly effective. 
so Kat, in that section, in your wound care section, in the in the Prepper's Natural Medicine, you compare and contrast the actions of Comfrey and St. John's Wort. Could yeah. you could you talk a little bit about both of those and and the considerations uh, you have around those? Absolutely, these are both wonderful, wonderful plants. St. John's Wort kind of gets pigeonholed as sort of a a mood enhancer, and that's I think most people um, first. Uh, when they hear about St. John's Wort, that's what they associate it with. However, it's wonderful um, for cell proliferation um, in wound care. And the, the neat thing about St. John's Wort is that it helps to heal from the inside out, which is exactly what you want when you've got a deep wound. You want that, um, you want that wound, um, like, a, like a puncture or something that's deep, to heal from the inside out. Otherwise, if it heals too quickly on the top layers, like when people start to suture immediately, um, when when you have something like that, um, you can end up with um, this. You can end up with bacteria and such being trapped in that wound, and then you have to open the thing up again, and it's just a it's just a bad day. So comfrey, on the other hand, I mean, if there is an herb out there that helps to um, regenerate um, and encourage cell proliferation, especially you know with the skin, um, it's comfrey. And if if you use this with a deep wound, you know, let's say you've pulled the, let's say you've pulled the tissues together, and maybe you've got, um, you, you know, you've got it just held closed there somehow, whether you um, sutured it or maybe you know you've got some kind of strip over this, and you you know maybe you've applied some comfrey, um, you can heal that too quickly from the outside in, and I kind of save comfrey for other things. Um, for instance, it's wonderful when you put it in a poultice on a sprain. If you suspect a broken bone, um, I have no issue having comfrey skates. And st- some people get a little nervous because of um, some of the alkaloids that are in it. Um, but I, for a short-term use of someone who they, they have a broken bone, one of its folk names is knit bone. So if you did somehow have to reset a bone in the field and... You know, if you have that skill and you do that and, and, and someone has a broken bone, I, I would certainly use that. But you can also put it um, so you could make a tea out of that or you could um, apply it as a poultice um, to a wound that way. Or if you are trying to heal skin, I save it for, you know, wounds that are not all that deep because it's going to heal it very quickly. So anything that, um, like maybe something like um, like a scrape, um, um, anything where there was like an abrasion going across the skin, um, something like that, um, well, even if it goes a little bit deeper, but just not a deep wound, um, then you might run a little risk of bacteria being trapped there. For that, I would far prefer to use St. John's Wort. The only thing, though, is if you're going to do that, you have to collect the flowers when they're fresh, and um, then you have to make an infused oil out of that. And from there, you can make your lotions and your salves and so on. But the dry product is, is better for um, what it's most known for, which is the um, uh, mood enhancement. In case you but just tuned in. You should really get the fresh for the, for the wound care. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to Health Watch, and we're talking today to herbalist Kat Ellis about her book, <laughs> Preppers, Natural Medicine, Life-Saving Herbs, Essential Oils, and natural remedies for when there is no doctor. So, Kat, uh, let's talk a little bit about pain management. Uh, it, let's assume that either people don't have access to or have run out of their uh, aspirin and ibuprofen, and 
they're looking at right. other alternatives for pain management. W- what are your thoughts oh. there? Well, there's, uh, there are a lot of options. Um, now, just for your, your regular, you know, everyday aches and pains where you would take an aspirin, um, there are very easy um, corollaries to that. The, the origin of aspirin comes from white willow bark um, because there's a chemical in there uh, known as salicin. And the salicin's found in a number of plants. It's not just white willow bark. It's in meadowsweet um, and in a number of other um, medicinal trees and so on. But most people, I think, when they get into herbs, you know, hear about white willow bark first. So that's what I'm going to um, focus on. So white willow bark has salicin in it. And when you take salicin into the body, it's metabolized into salicylic acid. That is the natural form of the chemical used to make aspirin. They've synthesized it into acetyl salicylic acid. That's the active ingredient in aspirin. It's not the exact same thing. Um, It's interesting because there's actually only a very small amount of salicin in white willow bark and in some of these other herbs. So um, it's, it's actually the synergistic relationship of all of the various chemicals in the plant um, that I would attribute to, um, you know, the pain-relieving ability of some of these plants because aspirin has um, this artificially high amount of, as- of um, acetyl salicylic acid in it. And I think that's also where some of the risks of taking aspirin also come in. Now, when I've, I've taken white willow bark for a very, very long time um, for, uh, not continually, but I mean over a long period of time for various things. And I find that, and, and obviously with my clients and so on, they've, they've used it. And, and overall, I would say that it may take a little bit longer to kick in, but once it does, it has a longer lasting effect. And I have not found that it produces the same uh, stomach reactions that people who you know may get an upset stomach and have stomach problems from taking aspirin. Um, it does a wonderful job of relieving pain in, in general. Um, there's, you know, depending on the type of injury and what caused the pain, that might help me to narrow down what type of herb I might go to. If there's nerve pain involved, I might go to cayenne. Cayenne has capsaicin. Um, also, if it's muscle pain, capsaicin is wonderful. You know, it helps to, uh, cayenne helps to warm the tissues up and helps to soothe it away. Um, maybe I would go for something that's um, cooling, depending on the, the situation. Um, certainly, um, for um, those people who are um, interested in pursuing this, I know some people, have, there's a stigma associated with the plant, the cannabis. Um, I mean, this is a, this is an incredible pain reliever. Um, I live on the border of Rhode Island, and they've had medicinal marijuana there for a very long time. I know people who have benefited from really severe and chronic pain from taking that over a period of time, and I've I've been able to watch, you know, what it does, and um, it's a very powerful plant. But there are others, too. There's also California poppy. It's not quite as... uh, Strong as its cousin, the opium poppy, but um, it's it's much milder in its effect. But it still has um, pain relieving qualities to it. Um, let me see. If the pain were something um, associated with, let's say, an injured muscle, um, you know, maybe um, like a spasm or something like that, 
Um, there's, a, there's a number of herbs you could use for that. Cramp bark, if it's not too serious. Um, if it's a, a really, really badly injured um, um, muscle or connective tissue, maybe uh, lobelia or um, maybe black cohosh, Solomon seal. There, I mean, there's really a, a, there's really a lot of herbs that can assist people when it comes to um, looking for some type of alternative um, analgesic. I mean, if you've got a migraine, oh, there's peppermint and there's um, feverfew. Um, really, there's a lot of good options out there. So let's pivot and, and talk about a whole other category. You have a section of, of Prepper's Natural Medicine where you look at what you call nutritional syrups and also different strategies to uh, boost the immune system. So first, maybe you could tell us what you mean by a nutritional syrup and, and, and what they're used for. Well, you know, I was just trying to come up with a way to um, describe this. But um, the, the thing is, is that if your body's functioning the way it's supposed to function, you know, then your immune system is going to be a little bit more robust and you're going to fight off various infections, you know, much more easily than, than if you want. And good health begins with, um, you know, giving the cells the nutrition that it needs. And, you know, you can certainly stock up on um, commercially made vitamins, uh, but I think, you know, you're probably, you know, your listeners are probably aware of some of the, some of the issues with um, absorption of this type of, um, you know, supplementation. I mean, some are better than others, um, but, you know, if you just go to the, you know, local um, pharmacy or you go to your local grocery store and you're just going for bargain basement prices just to stock up on vitamins, you're probably going to get something with a lot of fillers and a lot of um, other stuff in there and the nutrients, you may not be getting as much from that, you know, vitamin supplement as you thought you were. You know, maybe, you know, they enlisted in the, um, the nutritional panel what's in the tablet. That doesn't necessarily mean that your body's absorbing it at that same level. So you may not be getting what you think you're getting from that. And there are a number of herbs that are um, high in minerals and very nutritious. And when you combine them uh, with something tasty like a syrup, maybe honey-based or molasses-based, you know, if, if you're concerned about getting your kids to take herbs, you know, you sweeten things up. You can certainly, um, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Most herbs that, you know, um, I shouldn't say most herbs, um, herbs have a range of flavors. And, Children may take to them, and adults too. Um, I think of children a lot because I have small kids, and I'm always trying to figure out how to get them to try different things. And I've got one who um, takes them very readily and one who's very picky. So when I make things into a syrup, things go down easier. Um, one plant um, in particular, well, there's several plants, but one plant in particular that um, I, I would strongly recommend that people consider keeping for um nutritional support would be nettle. Nettle is probably one of the most nutrient-dense plants that I've ever, you know, encountered or read about. You know, when we think of superfoods, we think of things coming from these far-flung places around the globe. And, um, it's you know, there's, there's all kinds of energy that's used to bring it all to us here, but we've got this plant that grows 
easily in like semi-shaded areas that one is a complete protein. It has a uh, protein profile similar to that of eggs. Um, certainly the grams are not the same. You'd have to consume a lot of metals to get the same amount that you would, uh, the same amount of protein that you would get in an egg. But it is a complete protein. Um, it's loaded with minerals. It's, uh, it's something that would round out, um, you know, if you've ever looked at some of these prepper meals, these, um, Oh, these like buckets like that will, you know, supply you supposedly with like a month's worth of food or something, um, or a month's worth of calories in these buckets. Um, you know, they have a place, but they tend to be, um, expensive and the nutritional profiles are not necessarily as good as you'd like them to be. So supplementing, um, I think would certainly help, um, keep people healthy during, um, let's say, any kind of extended um, crisis that we might go through. So um, other herbs that you could include in there would be horsetail, um, alfalfa, um, you know, and it's, um, oh, let me see, off the top of my head, you've also got red clover you could put in there, red raspberry leaf. Um, and there's a lot of very pleasant tasting ones that you can add to that too. And if you if you have um, you know, a specific concern, you can certainly tailor it for that. Now, I mean, I started doing these therapies, um, you know, not just for my kids, but also for, um, as an alternative to uh, some of these prenatal vitamins, because I had some prenatal clients, and a lot of them were concerned about iron, and um, a lot of the iron supplements that they had were making them very constipated, so um, some yellow dock in there, burdock and yellow dock, um, you know, these would be things you could add to these nutritional syrups. So between that and some molasses, they're getting um, some extra iron without that constipating um, feature that, you know, comes along with your typical commercially available iron supplement. So um, I find syrups are just a, a great way to get uh, a, a lot of different medicines down. You're you're also a big fan of Rosemary Gladstar's fire cider recipe and have a modified yeah. version of it in in your book. Can you can you tell our listeners what fire cider is and and what it's good for? Fire cider is this wonderful tonic tonic being strengthening um, uh, beverage that uh, that is attributed to Rosemary Gladstar. She's been teaching it for so many decades and. It's basically, this is an herbal vinegar. Um, it's a very simply made herbal vinegar. And when it's done steeping, once you've done, um, you know, steeping your herbs in there, you can then mix this with some, uh, maybe some lemon juice or some lime juice or orange juice, whatever you might want to, or you could leave that out entirely. And you can also mix honey in with it. And then it goes from being an herbal vinegar, which is called an acetum, and if you add honey to it, it then becomes um, an oxymel for those who want to know the, the terms there for it. Um, anyway, this uh, this remedy it, it contains the traditional fire cider contains um, onions, garlic, horseradish, cayenne. Um, I think I might be. Um, Forgetting some ginger root. That's that's what was in there. And Rosemary's got a wonderful video on YouTube showing how to make it. 
Um, but all of these really pungent and spicy herbs, they get extracted into this apple cider vinegar. And it's got a sharp taste. You know, your cayenne, you know, you can make it as spicy as you want or not. It does a number of different things in the body. Um, you know, it's, you know, I've, I've heard reported back from various clients, you know, different things that, um, that they had a stronger immune response during cold and flu season, that they uh, had more energy. Um, I, I guess it, in a general sense, it just helps everything function better. Um, it, it's a, some people have said that they had some kind of a cleansing effect from it. They felt lighter after taking it. Um, some people felt that their, um, they had a positive cardiac response with it, with, um, their blood pressure, um, became a little bit less. And, and the thing is, is that the, the recipe is not something that is, fixed in stone. This is, this is more like cooking than it is like baking. You don't have to be so precise with measurements. This is, and you, and you can, you know, certainly vary things up. Um, I like to add astragalus because for its immune supportive uh, properties, I like to add um, Siberian ginseng um, for its energizing, well, it, its energizing properties. But that's how it affects me. I mean, I put things in it for people who um, were concerned about, um, like I said, um, their cardiac health and their um, the health of their um, arteries and veins, and they put things like hawthorn berry in there. And Cat, um, Cat, so, we're yeah. we're almost out of time, but I would sure, before sure. we before we end, I just wanted to give you a, a chance to just direct our listeners to your website and your blog because I know you do a lot of blogging. And yes. um, maybe people would like to interface with some of the information you share there. Yeah, absolutely. My website is herbalprepper.com. So that's www.herbalprepper.com. And from there, you can shoot me an email if you've got any questions. There's a link to my book that's on there. And um, there's also links to my uh, podcast that I do every Sunday evening. It's called Herbal Prepper Live. It's on uh, prepperbroadcasting.com. Um, but you can find all that information there on herbalprepper.com. Well, it was great having you on Health Watch today, Kat. Thank you so much, Dr. Davis, for having me on. We are talking today to herbalist Kat Ellis about her book, Prepper's Natural Medicine, Life-Saving Herbs, Essential Oils, and Natural Remedies for When There Is No Doctor. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. <laughs>